Hello, my name is David O'Kelly and you're very welcome to Capital Ideas, the podcast where we talk to investors in Irish business. Today, I'm speaking with John Dolan. John is the Managing Director of Cardinal Capital, an Irish fund that invests between 10 and 50 million. It has 250 million to deploy in the Irish marketplace. John, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me along to your podcast. It's a uh it's a good time to be here. We're we're in the middle of investing 250 million, as you said, in in Irish companies. So it's a it's a good opportunity to talk to you and your listeners about the type of businesses we're looking for and some of the benefits we can bring to those businesses. And to cut right to it, what types of deals are you trying to do? Well, look, you know, in terms of sectors that we focus on, it tends to be sectors that we've been invested in before. So technology, healthcare, business services. Um, food, so brands that a lot of your listeners will be familiar with. We've been involved in companies like Lily O'Brien's and Carol's uh, in the food sector. We've been involved in AA on the insurance side. We've been involved in Payzone on the technology side. And um, more lately on the healthcare side, we've invested in Molum Healthcare, the largest nursing home group in the country, and we're investors in sports surgery clinic, the orthopedic hospital. So uh, we're invested across sectors. We don't do startups and we don't do Turnaround. So we tend to do businesses that are trading well already, but we're, we're management teams and we think there's an opportunity to accelerate the growth plan. And, and for you and, and your team, is it, is it about the sector and that the sector is really good or is it about the company and it doesn't maybe, isn't so important what sector the company's in so long as it's a great company? Yeah, look, there's a there's a bit of both. Clearly, on the on the sector side, a lot of our team have experience in certain sectors, so we're going to to have more to bring to companies in those areas. So, if you look at the technology sector, we've had good successes recently with companies like Learning Pool and Payzone, and you know Mike Maloney, for example, who ran Payzone first, is now part of the team. So his his focus is clearly on that area. Similarly, you know, we would have worked with you on a number of healthcare deals. So we we, we know the healthcare and technology ecosystems pretty well. But we also invest in business, service and food. So if we come across the right team, like when we came across the team in Carroll's, they were they were phenomenal. We know it's a tough space, but you know, if you have the right team, that's certainly half the battle for us as investors and businesses. And when we rock up with a client and we're super enthusiastic about a deal and we give you the information memorandum, can you tell me maybe just behind the scenes, what happens next? What are the types of questions you ask yourselves? Look, the, the first thing that we look at is, you know, is there an opportunity to scale that business in a very significant way? So we're looking to double or treble the size of a business in pretty short time periods so of five years, what sounds like medium term, it goes pretty quickly. So, you know, to be, to be able to scale a business at that speed, you need to have an ambitious team. Uh, and also a, a number of opportunities to accelerate that growth, whether that's organically or via acquisitions. So, you know, if I, if I take an example of of some of our recent investments, say Learning Pool, which we we exited out of recently. You know, when we met Paul first, he was the founder of that business. You know, he came to us with, you know, what was a very nice business. He was growing organically already, twenty five percent year on year, and could have kept going as he was. But we saw an opportunity to take the technology that he had. He was providing a technology solution to companies around the world about how to train up your employees in a in a fairly efficient manner. And we could see that in that space it was pretty fragmented and you could do a number of acquisitions that would help him grow that business at a much quicker rate. So, you know, the the investment for us there was, you know, within three months we bought one of his largest competitors in the UK and 
over the next four years, I think we acquired four other businesses, the last of which brought us into the American market in a pretty significant way and delivered huge value to all of us when we when we exited that business last year. So, you know, we could see from Paul at the outset, he had a great business already and had a great technology, but we could also see that 25% growth while great when you were looking at it on a standalone case was probably underselling what the business could do if you mm. if you really took on some risk capital. And that's that's what private equity is is all about. Yeah, and doubling in five years, or at least doubling, so that's fifteen to twenty percent growth a year. That in a tech business, you know, you can you can see the case in a you know in a hospital or a nursing home group. You know that that that's a lot of growth. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm back to your last question around around plan. That's that's the biggest thing. You know, we we have to commit to that plan in a significant way. Like you're not going to get that level of growth unless you commit early early to the plan. So, for example, take a food space which doesn't grow typically at that level of of growth, Lily O'Brien's would be a good example. We would have doubled production capacity in that business in year one before the, the necessary sales came through. And you need to have that commitment to a plan to, to meet those type of targets or take healthcare and sports surgery clinic. The purpose of our investment was to, to help develop two additional theaters. We could see there was huge demand for healthcare services. We all know the waiting lists in, mm-hmm. in the Irish market. So, you know, but the commitment to go and invest that money up front without knowing for sure that it was going to come true is clearly the commitment that, that we need to make. And that's the level of commitment and support we need to bring to a business when we back it on day one. Okay, so you need to get kind of excited about a, a plan you can get behind that will yep. see very significant growth in the business. What, what else is on your mind? I think fundamentally the DNA of where the business is coming from and where the founders and management teams are looking to get because you know we are what we are so private equity by its definition is going to need an exit within a relatively time uh, short time period so that could be five years it could be seven years it could be up to 10 years but it's going to be an exit within that window so you know clearly some family-run businesses that might suit where they want to go trajectory wise uh, and it's important at the outset to have those conversations with with founders and with the management teams in terms of what you're looking to achieve like like where private equity works best is where there's management teams that are that are ambitious, looking to accelerate the plan, but also looking to realise value within a certain time period. And and they're the circumstances that work best for private equity. So unless you've got that alignment of interest on day one, it's probably not going to be a successful investment. Right. OK, so kind of a good team you can back. Now, we, we do hear that a lot, that, you know, the team's critical and so on. I suppose what it makes you wonder is that, well, if I've grown my business over 20, 30 years, and it's actually just, I'm not terribly interested in the next five years and, and the growth, I just want to get out. Does that rule you out? Are there, are there deals you can do in that situation where, where the founder's leaving? Yeah, like, like I think typically in that situation, you probably have a management team who see that as their opportunity to go and grow that business further. So often in those cases, you know, where a founder may look to exit or take uh, move to a non-exec position and be less operationally involved, you know, private equity can still play a part there by backing the management team to go and take the business on the next growth journey. And I think that's why private equity transactions are becoming more and more prevalent in the market because, you know, the old situation of you build a, a company to a certain scale and then you sell to a big international trade buyer, that's changed over the last number of years. And now there's an opportunity where you can actually sell potentially to a to another avenue of private equity buyer where the business continues to grow under that private ownership and mm. um, but also allows the founder to take liquidity and uh, and take some money off the table from what they've built so far mm. um, i'm interested um maybe in just sticking with cardinal for a little while and and sure. and, and, and the uniqueness and and the proposition 
So you've, uh, you and I come from a very similar background. We're finance professionals. We, we both uh, 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 cut our teeth in, as uh, M&A advisors, and you left the, the best job in the world to go become uh, 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 an investor. Can you tell me about the, there's, there's a number of variety of backgrounds in, in the team in Cardinal. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, like, that's, that's certainly where one of the areas we look to differentiate in terms of from a Cardinal perspective. So, so there's a couple of things I think, you know, even within the 250 million we have that we're investing, about 10% of that money comes from previous founders and CEOs that we've backed before. So like that, that's, in our minds, a very good signal of our style about how we operate with management teams. Yeah, it's good. And in a small market like Ireland, that's that's critical because, you know, the way you conduct around board meetings and uh, and that relationship with management is fundamental. So that, that support we have from previous CEOs and founders, we think is a very good signal in terms of our, our own operating style. And I think that comes from a number of the team have worked on the other side of the table, have been executives or run their own businesses. You know, I mentioned Mike and Payzone, but you know, even going back to where Cardinals Heritage is, you know, Nick and Nigel both founded their own businesses before to that. So, so we've we're used to seeing the challenges on the other side, and we also recognise that there's a huge transition from being a a founder-run business or an entrepreneur-run business to having outside shareholders, and that's a, that's a journey and a transition, and that, that takes time, and you need to be patient and and work with the team so when you when you think about what we're looking for on day one investment that founder dynamic is, is something we're very comfortable with but we're also comfortable with the journey that's going to transition that into what's what's more involved with taking in outside shareholders and what it looks like at the exit and i think that's where we're getting some of our best successes in the irish market is first time outside shareholders coming into founder run businesses because they're they're often more concerned about what's going to change the dynamic of the the operating styles of the business as opposed to to anything else and i think that's where we're we're most experienced and you're the you're the largest fund and uh, largest domestic fund in the in the irish marketplace for target companies what difference does that make is it, does it, is it important that you're here so the Look, I think the advantage of being the largest fund in the market is we get a lot of executives who are coming from, from other roles or back into the Irish market and are looking to go into a private equity-backed opportunity. And so if you think of a business trying to double or treble uh, in a five-year journey, you're going to have to broaden your team fairly significantly to achieve those goals. So you know, the, the network effect of being, we've been in the market for a long time and also having the largest fund means you know, we're probably the first port of call for a lot of executives when they're returning to Ireland and who want to get involved in PE back companies. And you know, right now, that search for talent is probably the biggest thing we can bring to portfolio companies when they look to add a, a chief commercial officer or, or whatever it might be as they, as they scale the business. You know, that's, that's a big advantage of having uh, a big fund in the market. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. Um, as, as I kind of talk to my clients about uh, private equity and taking, you know, taking external cash and so on, like to be honest, in the first instance, their focus tends to be on the cash, uh, yeah. a very important part of it. But maybe can you, can you talk about the value you add after the deal? Uh, you know, we all get really focused on getting the deal done, but you know, what happens in the in, in the months and years uh, after after the deal uh, completes? Yeah, like like I think. You know, from our perspective, we're not going to be running the company day to day. So actually, things don't change as much as you might, uh, you know, think or certainly as much as 
um, entrepreneurs or founders think initially, I think there's going to be a huge change. If the management team are growing the business and it's already, you know, I mentioned the learning pool example, growing at 25%, but if a business has grown 5 or 10% year on year, there's, there's already a lot of things that are going right. You know, I think from our perspective, we have a lot of experience, though, you know, built up over the, the 30 or so acquisitions we've done of of the challenges then when you come to scale a business and how you can how you can best, and we've learned from our own mistakes, how you can best sort of um, look to, to strengthen the team to be able to meet those challenges. So the first thing we'll look at is, is broadening that team. In, in our experience, most Irish companies are reliant on one or two individuals and you know that's natural as a scale to a certain point but if you are going to move then to the next level of growth you're going to have to bring in some outside expertise as well as uh, as growing up your internal team and that's that, that's a balance and and very important decisions around that i think the second uh, thing that we tend to focus on is is you know should the business be be ireland only or should we be looking outside ireland and and what's the right way to go about that we've learned through the years around the different strategies as you go into new markets whether that's acquiring something or putting people on the ground first and i think you know there's there's big learning curves there that we can help companies short circuit that learning process from some of our experiences in the past and then look, clearly private equity is going to be financially focused as well so we'll be we'll be disciplined around acquisitions if businesses are looking to do acquisitions and and helping them with financing and the strategy around that but but first and foremost i think it's building out the team uh, and helping helping the management and the CEO in particular think about you know where where he needs to focus uh, as he builds out that team. And what type? Of, I'm very interested in that kind of CEO founder relationship and and private equity. Like you know, what type of calls do you get? What's the you know when you when you're in the company? You know, what's the what's the five o'clock call yeah, on a Friday? I'm hoping it's not where we need cash. I'm hoping it's other other uh, other items. What are the typical things you talk to CEOs about? It's generally a sounding board. Like a lot of CEOs are, you know, take a lot on themselves, and then having someone who can pick up the phone to and say, "Listen, I'm thinking of this. Have you come across before? Or is there anyone within your network who you can bounce this off?" is is fairly powerful. And I think that's where the network that Cardinal has is. Is probably of most use you know clearly we don't have all the answers ourselves but we can probably pick up the phone to someone else who's been through that challenge before or who can introduce the ceo to to the right person so i think that sounding board is fairly fundamental it's it's certainly way more than than just the monthly board meeting or or the regular updates most of the work that we do gets done outside of that forum uh, and is done in a much more informal context um the, the usual dynamics always play like when businesses are going well it tends to run itself and we yeah. might have li- you know very little involvement for a period of time then when there's challenges or when there's you know a real significant amount of activity going on within the business we'll tend to get much more involved and uh, and will often be you know on daily calls uh, with our management teams rather than the monthly board meeting yeah yeah no understandable in your in your portfolio companies do you tend to use a lot of debt uh, not traditionally, it's it's. I, I think it's probably a function of the of the Irish sector in particular and the Irish psyche. So you know, traditionally, if you go back, we've been in the market for for twenty odd years. Like it used to be very reliant on bank debt, and I think you know companies when the crisis came, you know around oh eight to two thousand and ten. I think that you know people still have those scars, and and the reluctance to take on too much bank debt is probably a good thing. It's you know, you can only grow to a certain point with bank debt. So, 
you know, we, we would tend to be pretty conservative in our in our use of debt versus international private equity. And in some of our businesses, we don't have any debt. So, in, mm, you know, if, if I take some of our technology examples, it's often not suitable to put in debt on day one because you're looking to grow and scale the business. You don't need to be reporting to, to banks around covenants. And, you know, the real value comes in growing the top line of that business. And so, you know, we'll be... We'll be fairly selective around the debt, and you know, what would speak to that is is all our bank debt is held with traditional Irish banks. Versus, if you look at the international P model, they've gone to debt funds, and it's a lot more complex, and 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 also the pricing is a lot more expensive. Yeah, yeah, and, and certainly that, that uh, leverage can be great in a growing market, a uh, bit dif- uh, different in other other circumstances. I'm interested, John, though, you've been through so many deals and Cardinal's been through so many deals, both as, a, as an investor and then in your, in your prior career. Are there, are there common threads, common characteristics you see that, you know, that, that really tick the box in deals that you want to do? Yeah, like, like I think that there's a couple of things that always come to the fore. There is, there, there, there is certainly something about a CEO where we've had real success that, that is different and it takes a bit of time just to... To, to understand that so we will spend a lot of time in our diligence with the CEO and trying to understand the personality and often the best deals we've done have been referrals from other people within our network locally because you know if if we're meeting the management team it tends to be a little bit choreographed through advisors and things like that mm-hmm. but if we've already done our own references and got familiar with the type of character you know that, that that's hugely helpful and yeah, the common characteristic in businesses where we've been really successful is that drive from the CEO. There's a, you know, there's a level of intensity. You know, when, when I look at businesses we're involved in now, if you take sports surgery clinic for example, where I'm on the board, you know, Ray Moran is is phenomenal in his drive and intensity. You know, to build a, a private hospital while you're operating as one of the leading surgeons in the country. Unbelievable. You know, yeah, yeah, like like there's there's a reason why. No private hospital has been built in the last 20 years other than that like that's how difficult it is to mm-hmm. do um so, so it's a phenomenal achievement and you know that level of intensity tends to be you know common across where we've had success you know if i go back to some of the technology companies i've been involved with, you know amcs and jimmy martin you know he's grown a billion plus company out of limerick with you know loads of headwinds along the way but just kept driving on he's had multiple investors and, and you know he's just Done, done a, done an amazing job there. Or Mark Murphy and Finergo Group, billion plus company out of uh, East Point here in Dublin, where we were the first investor in, in the venture days in, in NCB. So look, there's there's that intensity of character that you get in a CEO. That while mm-hmm. we all work hard and everyone says they work hard and and they do, there's a different level of intensity that the really successful CEOs and entrepreneurs have. That you know you sort of get to recognise when you see it. Yeah, you know when you see it. And maybe to, to ask the question, the opposite question: Are there are there items now that you that you identify that are, are turnoffs on deals, things that you don't really want to uh, want to put the money behind? Yeah, like um, we we've certainly learned through through the years that having that upfront discussion around alignment is key because, as you know, often you know founders or business owners are trying to solve multiple things when they're doing a deal. And so understanding actually what do they really want to get out of it and and how comfortable are they with the idea that in a couple of years time there's going to be another transaction. And, you know, that that's that's something that takes a bit of time to, to get a sense of. I think the, the other thing is, you know, we've been involved in businesses 
you know, with a lot of employees and, you know, as you scale that, you know, you need to really think about how you scale your management team to go with it because, you know, even if you take learning pill, we went from 90 people to 300 people. You know, that's, that's a different beast and the amount mm. of hiring that goes with that is really significant and, and, and that can be challenging, especially in the labor market that we have at the moment where, you know, recruiting people is difficult and retaining people is difficult. So um, we don't underestimate that challenge. So when we see a plan that requires hiring, you know, a huge amount of people, understanding how exactly they're going to go about that and why people will want to come and work for that business is, is a dynamic we often spend a lot of time on. Yeah, you touched on the environment there. It's definitely a, a, an interesting time. What, what's your own take? What's the, what's the Cardinal House view? Uh, you know, from, from a cardinal point of view, we tend to try and think slightly differently to, to others. So clearly the, the headlines at the moment are, are pretty negative and there's lots of talk about inflation and, and rising interest rates and energy costs. But you know, when we look back at the transactions we've done, some of the best ones we've done have been in more volatile conditions. It, it changes the dynamics and, and so we're very much open right now at, at looking at opportunities. We've a, a good few things we're, we're in diligence on at the moment. and. I think the market is probably rebalanced to a level of normality. Like, you know, we've both been looking at businesses for a long time. The last couple of years have been incredibly seller friendly, in my view. You private equity guys can't help yourself. It, well, <laughs> like, it's just been a, a dynamic and not just seller friendly in terms of valuation, but more in terms of processes. You know, we've we've sold businesses and we've been involved in businesses where just the, the time period and the diligence has just been different than what we would have been used it's to. It's been a good time to be a seller. Yeah, right. and I think that's beginning to rebalance. I wouldn't say rebalance even to buyer-friendly terms. It's probably back just to a level of normality. And, you know, given the conditions that are that are out there, people are being sensible about the diligence they're doing. They're running various sensitivities. They're being sensible about the level of debt they're using and, and making sure that, you know, if things get more difficult, that they can also, you know, manage that. And I think that's it's probably not a bad thing. Mm. Well, there's certainly like there's a there's a, there's a wide variety of of, of capital and, and buyers out there who presumably still want to do business. What, what do you think with volume levels? Do you think volume levels will stay? The volume of deals? I think volume levels will probably come down a little bit. Like certainly the sense I'm getting in in the market from from speaking with advisors like yourself, but also uh, internationally is that people are just a little bit more cautious and they're minding their their existing investments and spending more time and focus there. So I suspect actually volume levels might come down over the next year or two as people um, focus on on growing and managing and minding what they have. Uh, at the moment, I also think, you know, last year was a record year for mm. deals. So it's natural that that, yep. that, that might come off a, a small amount. But but I, I certainly think private equity as a percentage of, of deals will continue to be as high as it's been yeah, over the last number of years, like if if we go back four or five years, even it was probably one in four deals were private equity backed. In an Irish context, maybe twenty twenty five percent. Now it's closer to one in two, or or forty percent of deals have a, have a private equity um, supporter. And I think you know, there's there's a couple of fundamental reasons that have just changed that dynamic. That it's not just an Irish thing. If you look at it internationally, it's a it's a similar trend. In that, you know, if you go back a number of years, founders used to build it to a certain size and then sell out and that was their way to get liquidity. Now what's happening with private equity is they build it to a certain size, they take some liquidity and then they continue maybe in a non-executive capacity or, or, or less involved or maybe they move to a, to a chair role. But they also want to continue growing what they've, they've done the hard yards getting to a certain point. So giving it on to an international trade buyer might necessarily 
be be the best avenue for the business and the management team might want to take it on to the next level and I think that's been a good dynamic from an Irish Irish business perspective because now you're seeing a lot more Irish companies doing the acquiring rather than mm. being the ones acquired that's great. and that's that's a real significant change uh, in the Irish market like I think of the the last number of deals we've done you know, certainly most of them have done acquisitions and a number of them have done multiple acquisitions which is unusual if you go back 10 years I think most of the Irish growth story was organic rather than acquisition led and so I, th- I think that dynamic of of private equity being a, a higher percentage from transactions will continue but I, I do think volumes may taper mm. off a little bit as, as confidence uh, wanes through the next number of months. Yeah, I expect that the, the more difficult deals will be harder to do, but high quality companies will still have plenty of suitors. Definitely, yeah. Like we've we've definitely seen in in really high quality companies, there's no shortage of capital there, so valuations are still high, and all all the usual signs are, are coming through that, you know, if you have a strong company and you're trading well through this period, you probably get even more capital because exactly that flight of quality is happening. So if, if I'm the owner of a high quality company listening to this podcast, you know, other than reaching out to you on LinkedIn, what, what do I do? How do I start that journey? How do I get the best deal I can with private equity? Like, like I think th- there's, a, there's a couple of obvious things I would say, you know, one, go and, go and chat to us. Like we're pretty easy to talk to in the context of it's a, it's a small market here in Ireland. That's the advantage of it. You can check us out informally as well as, as formally. But I think one of the things that that often doesn't happen if you're a business owner is, is spending enough time thinking about the right type of partner, whether that's private equity or trade. And you know, certainly chatting to advisors like yourselves can help with that, but also doing your own diligence. Like no two private equity firms are the same, there's very different mm-hmm. operating styles. So you know, people, people often think about, will I do private equity or will I do trade? Within those two, there's totally different spheres. You know, within trade, there's a, a different level of buyer you know, depending on whether they're PLC, international, what type of culture. Yep. Within private equity, there's just as big a spread. And I've, you know, I've done a number of deals where we've co-invested with other private equity firms. We've seen different styles, you know, over the years. And I think you know, understanding what type of private equity firm you're getting involved with and spending time, you know, you go, go and do the diligence in the background and, you know, speak to, certainly speak to the management teams they've been involved with previously about how does this actually operate in practice on the ground. I think the good thing about the Irish market is it's so small, it's it's pretty easy to check that out. You know, if I if I was chatting to you, you'd be able to say, this firm has this mm. style, another firm has another style. And it doesn't necessarily mean that one's better than the other. It just means there's a right yeah. fit for the right company and also a right fit for the right company at the right time. You know, we would be very, certainly we would feel that we're a very good investor for a first time institutional outside shareholder because, you know, we understand that transition from founder owned founder run to uh, to having outside shareholders because we've operated businesses ourselves uh, and we've been in the market for a long time but we'd also understand that there's there's other businesses that might be more metric driven that might have a different investor and uh, and there's so many different types of capital out there you can you can pick and choose if you're a business owner what's the right owner for me whether it's whether it's you know whether it's venture capital at the outset or whether it's later stage private equity and even within later stage private equity you know different firms have different biases so i would say doing your research and speaking to advisors like yourself about you know just talk me through this ecosystem is a is probably the biggest starting point uh, if i was a business owner 
Thanks, John. My last question for you uh, today is, why should a company take private equity? Look, I think we've probably covered some of the bases in the discussion earlier, but you know, for me, private equity brings brings a couple of things to to a management team. One, it's the experience of of what we've learned through other deals. Like you know, in a cardinal perspective, we've done thirty acquisitions, so we've learned the hard way a couple of things that can probably short circuit a management team that's trying to accelerate their plans. So if you're if you're trying to double or treble within you know, a relatively short time period, you probably can't afford to make as many mistakes as we've had over those 30 years. So you can avail of, of the learning experience that we've had. I think that the talent piece is really relevant at the moment. Um, executives tend to be attracted through private equity. They like the idea that it's going to be a fairly ambitious plan for a short period of time, but with a liquidity event at the end of it. So if you're building out a team, it's in my mind easier to do it with a, with a private equity shareholder. And then I think thirdly is is the point is it allows founders to get the liquidity without having to sell out in full in one transaction. And if you've done the hard yards of, of building a business to a certain scale, you know, there's there's certainly rationale about why not continue that growth journey while also taking some liquidity but not selling out in full. And and I think they're the main reasons that you know, private equity is becoming more and more prevalent as uh, as a transaction source. John Dolan, Managing Director in Cardinal Capital. You've been a great guest. It's been really, really interesting. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks very much, Jeff.